this is kind of going to be the new flagship show. The amount of time you spent in Posternak's office freshman year because of how much trouble you were in, you deserve getting the face of the advisor. <laughs> You're a freaking duchess. Nobody gives a shit what the Duchess of Sussex thinks about BLM protests. I'm sorry. I don't care what you think. Hey, hey, I led the team in OBP this year. Just saying. Do not! Not on my podcast! Not today! And now, not live and not in front of a studio audience, the TBR Morning Show! Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the TBR Morning Show. I'm Seth Hellman, joined as always by Robbie Carpentier. It's special guest Thursday, and that means that we do have a special guest introducing, even though you already know him, Brendan Willett. We'll start with Brendan. Brendan, how you doing today? Really good. Uh, actually, no, I meant really bad. Um, oh, really, <laughs> really bad, but excited to be here. So that's good. But, uh, you know, I'm swamped with with work and stuff, and I'm just trying to get through tomorrow because I'm going back to Boston tomorrow um and yeah so my mind is pretty much just stuck on the exam that i have tomorrow at 9 30 but i'm excited to be here with you boys excited for the launch of the the show i was excited when it hit spotify and and all that jazz but yeah thanks for thanks for bringing me on to this program tonight so did you listen to our first episode i did twice did did you enjoy the 11 minutes where seth talked about jewish history Oh, I guess we're jumping right into the fray of that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I lean on the side of, um, I don't know, I hate to be that guy and be like, oh, I'm neutral. But, like, I, I see where Seth is coming from, and I know that Seth is very passionate about, you know, um, his religion, and I can't say the same for myself, so I can't, like, really be like, oh, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm asking if you like enjoyed it. the 11 straight minutes that Seth talked. That's all I'm asking. I don't care what side you're See, on. See, I think I was pretty entertaining. Like, I did my best. I mean, it's hard to be entertaining with the <laughs> with history, but you did it. I, I agree. It was okay. It was all right. Did you not like it, Brennan? Um, the the episode itself, I thought the, the whole... Uh, I'm asking about great. the 11 minutes. He, he's dodging the question so hard. It's, he's I'll such a to, politician. Carp, we'll have to circle back with you on that one. <laughs> all right. I like it. Good. All right. All right, so we got a pretty quick show today. It's a Friday quickie. Um, we're going to talk some Bruce. We're going to talk some Alex Baldwin. Uh, we'll be right back. Seth, take us out. All right, so as everybody knows, Alex Baldwin shot and killed someone on the set of his new movie. Um, Brendan, I know that you wanted to talk about this topic uh, heading into the show today. Being the special guest, I said, what do you want to go with? And you said, let's talk some Baldwin. So, Brendan, what do you got? Yeah, first of all, it's Alec. Um, second off, uh, I don't really – I don't know. I, I Everybody kind of knows that that I lean right, but – I don't really buy into the whole, I know that he's like a raging liberal and that it's kind of like people are, people are excited to see that he's kind of getting in his own medicine or he's getting his, I guess is what I should say. Um, you know, it's a very controversial thing that happened. 
uh, accidentally shooting and killing somebody. We don't really know how like it happened. Like there's conspiracy theories here and there that say like someone was trying to set him up and frame him and loaded the gun with, with a bullet, even though it was supposed to be a blank. I don't really know, but I don't really, I've been seeing a lot on Twitter and social media. I don't really buy into the whole, like, this is a big deal thing on his part, even though I don't like Alec Baldwin personally. And like, you know, I love to see these kinds of things happen to these people who are outspoken. I don't think that this is as big a deal as some conservative people are making it. So I'd love to get your thoughts on it, Carp. <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm actually 100% with you. I'm sure you thought like, oh, I'm I'm sitting down with like Rush Limbaugh too. Like, of course, he'll <laughs> be stomping on this. But like, you're not. Like, um, no, I, I actually think it's a really unfortunate thing that happened. I think anybody that's on the right that's like, kind of jumping all over the story and being like, Oh good. He got what he deserved. And like, blah, blah, blah. Like just super insensitive to the whole situation. Um, there's a difference between being, you know, anti gun um, and pro gun laws and gun restrictions and then acting in a movie in which a prop miss, you know, doesn't function correctly. And a tragedy takes place. I think there's a huge, huge difference. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't buy into the whole, I think the ride's making it too big of a deal about it. I like today they actually I don't know if you saw this post on Fox News. Did anybody see that where it was like the days Vermont after? Thing. Yeah, it's like days yeah. after, you know, tragic shooting, Alex Baldwin shopping in a bougie town in Vermont. It's like, guys, leave him alone. Okay. He he literally just killed somebody. Like people cope in different ways and like just leave him alone. It's not the time to be sticking the camera in somebody's face saying, like, how do you feel about it? Like obviously he's probably going through a lot. And if shopping in Vermont is how he's going to get through it, then that's how he's going to get through it. I don't see it as a big deal. No, it shouldn't be at all. I mean, it's like, I just, Fox News has been hammering the post about it too. And it's starting to get annoying. And it was bothering me too when they were doing it with the whole Brian Laundrie, Gabby Petito thing. And they just like, they, they're trying to spark a reaction out of their followers. Because if you go to the comment section, it's all these, you know, crazy far right people who are like, just like posting these really weird kind of fucked up conspiracy theories and people are like believing it too and just kind of running with it the whole alec baldwin thing like oh yeah like you know he he was hoping to kill this woman because apparently like you know they'd gotten into a fight on the set like that's like no obviously that's just not true and the same thing was was happening with that whole brian laundry thing people are like oh you know he's hiding in the flower bed and his parents you know backyard whatever and then they find like the human remains and they prove it's him and people are still saying like no it's not him like we know for a fact he's he's hiding here he's hiding there whatever excuse me jesus it's just like you know at a certain point i think that people are trying to get back at the liberal media for like the past four years and and all that they've done and and they're just like throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks and nothing is sticking like this Alec Baldwin thing, it, it's a nothing to me, like on his part, like we shouldn't be like, oh, it's his fault for, you know, whatever. Obviously, this was like a mistake that happened and like a woman was killed. It's not like a conspiracy that he's going on like this killing rampage trying to kill people, whatever. So that's my two cents on it. See, my thing with it is like if I was him, I would have laid low. Like, I don't. Like, honestly, I understand that, like, everyone copes in their own ways, right? But if I was him, just for the PR standpoint and for the, you know, just to try to get himself out of the news cycle, I would not have gone out in public at all if I was him unless I was, like, 
going to my lawyer or going to, you know, the shoot to like talk to people or, you know, going to the family of the person, right? Like, or going to the hospital, you know, like whatever, right? Like I, I would not have gone shopping personally if I was him. So Seth, um, so Seth I, I understand what you're saying, um, but you got to remember that he's one of those guys that has the liberal media carry his water for him all day long. You know what I mean? 24 seven. Right. He's not used to people being like, being like, Hey, like you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. Like he, he likes them. Like many people on the left think that the entire media is there just to protect them and do the PR for him. And so the negative PR, I don't think he saw coming if that makes sense. The yeah. I mean, I, like, I get that. But the other thing that I would say like with well, this Seth, is, I, I want to say is like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not it's not like oj like he didn't like kill somebody like like that you know like this was a complete accident like a prop misfire clearly he thought it was shooting blanks and it and it wasn't and for you know for whatever reason it wasn't end up killing someone but it wasn't like oh alec baldwin went out and murdered somebody and like while the investigation was going on like he was out like shopping leisurely like there's been pictures of this guy like cameras have been his face 24 7. he looks miserable he's he was out with his family it's halloween weekend like life has to go on for him it's clear that he's not at fault here there is someone who's at fault who you know whatever loaded this gun with whatever wasn't supposed to be in there didn't correctly set up the prop but i think there's a there's a fine line between like you know someone who has a pending murder investigation against them going out and like hitting Versace and Gucci or Louis or whatever. And like Alec Baldwin taking his family to church street in Burlington, Vermont, after he accidentally through no fault of his own right. killed one of the members of his crew. So, yeah. right. But re regardless of fall, I just feel like if I accidentally killed someone, I'd be like in the state of mind where I just want to like stay inside for a while, you know, like, I don't think I'd want to be going places. Um, but then the other point that I wanted to make was that, you know, if I am the right wing media, I feel like this is the perfect time to be trying to teach people how to responsibly use firearms. Right. Like, why Why wouldn't like, why are we turning this into, you know, like this whole thing where we're just, you know, and like, I get that he likes to make fun of Trump on SNL. Right. Like, I get that that was his bit. But like, why wouldn't we be turning this into like always make sure that you are careful where you point your gun even if you don't think that it's loaded or you think that the safety's on like never point it at Whoa. something that you don't want to destroy like always check what's in it right and now granted yeah. like i get that it, like baldwin wouldn't have zero cause to like even have to think about that right because he thinks it's just a prop he thinks that there's no way there's gonna be anything in it that's gonna fire off right but if i am someone who's pro-gun i am taking this opportunity to be like hey you know, we don't need this to be any sort of gun control thing. We should just be like, let's educate people on how you responsibly use a gun. Well, Seth, you're you're a hundred percent right in the sense of that's what people should be doing. Your question is why is the right not doing it? Well, the right doesn't do that because we lose. We stink at that. The right is not good at taking opportunities to make, you know, change that'll benefit a lot of people. Um, especially in the PR sense. Like if you look at it, the right never wins when it comes to how the story hits the media, how they react to it. That's part of the reason that the right tends to skew towards the older voters because they lose 
every single controversial topic. The right does not know how to handle it. And the left does. And the left's just better than us at a lot of things other than policy. They know how to win. They know how to handle the media and how to handle stories and how to make those stories, you know, point in the direction that they need them to point. The right does not know that yet. They're learning. They're getting better at it. There's younger guys that are doing that. But that's not our specialty. Not at all. Brendan, can we just odd shot the clip of him saying the left is better than us? It's <laughs> 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 completely out of context. Oh, my God. That would be <laughs> that. That's like that's like the equivalent of seeing Jesus almost. Is, is, I mean, is it, just hearing that <laughs> it would be like it would be like Belichick chanting, let's go Jets. I, yeah. Right. <laughs> But that is a right. wild statement from Robert Carpentier this morning. We have a lot to get to. Well, uh, we'll be right back with. <laughs> uh, you thought I was going to defend the left. Well, we're not. We'll be right back. This whole world is rough. It's just getting rough. I have a question. <laughs> okay. Do you guys still do that music thing or no? Yeah. yeah. When does that kick in? It just happened. Well, music would just happen. Yeah, no, music. I mean, so- when, you, when you do the, uh, you each used to bring like a song. <laughs> oh, that, no, that happened before. That's not, we don't do that anymore. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to, you know, bringing that back. I, I would bring that back. I've still got the scoreboard. Lovely. All right, we'll do it a different time. We're not doing that. <laughs> We're not doing that today. I was today. just curious. What an upper management thing to do. Fuck. All right. <laughs> yeah, so so like I said, we're here now. We're talking. This is going to sound more like myself. Um, Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What? Yeah, can we start? That wasn't. Yeah, we'll just start no, the segment. That's off. absolutely part of the show. Seth, if you no, cut this out, I'm going to be pissed. Yes, it is. Yeah, cut it out. Seth, if you Seth, don't listen to upper management. Seth, keep this in. The amount of power in my hands right now is wonderful. All right, so we are talking the amount of power about, in my hands because I'm upper management. So fuck both of you. It's not going in. All right, here we go. So, like I was saying, we are discussing now. Joe Biden has. I don't know if you guys saw this. Taken to Europe. Sleepy or Joe. Whatever you want to call him. The last thing I'm calling him is the president, but he has taken to. I mean, he is the president, Card. Come on. Not my president. He has taken oh, to. <laughs> he's actually not the president. I would bet my life that he, he's just not making any decisions. Okay, <laughs> he's a, uh, decisions doesn't matter. When, when you look at the piece of paper, what does it say? It says President <laughs> Joe Biden. Seth, he's the president. The just let it happen. For the Baltimore right? Ravens, it's his quarterback, Lamar Jackson, but we all know he's not. <laughs> I agree with Brendan on this. I agree with Brendan on this. Like, well, of course we know you there's do. people behind the scenes pulling strings. That's not the point. Yes. I don't nobody. care who's pulling the strings. What, I don't want to get kicked uh, off of YouTube or Spotify because they do this. They'll think we're like with Q or something. So we're going to yeah, just get taken going, off. That clip's going right on TikTok. I don't care what <laughs> anybody has to say about that. <laughs> that's fine. Anyway, Joe Biden, president-ish, has taken to Europe to discuss climate change in the U.S.'s plan for combating the ever-changing climate that we can't control um 
I don't know what you guys think about this whole thing, but I know Trump left the accord, a Paris agreement, yada, yada, yada. I, I don't know. I just, I think that there's a lot more, there are many more problems at home that the president could be focusing on other than global climate change. Yeah, well, I don't I even mean, know what climate change is. Um, it's heard, when like, it's when the climate changes. Yeah, right. Uh, like, right. So, I, so I, don't, I don't even wait, know. Will how it? The fact it that is, it's but. you know it's it's October and we've been having multiple consecutive days of like seventy degree weather, whereas when we were kids that would never happen. Well, That's answer, like answer me this. Answer me this, then, Seth. I go to school in North Carolina. It's been okay, fuck you. freezing here it's cause you're, for like yeah. a month. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, that's it. Right. Because in the that, South, normally it's, it's warm. Change. It's changed. Yes, that's it's why that's warm. why they don't call it when we were kids. They used to call it global warming. But then they were like, I've wait, that that's before. not how it works. Right. So it's they call it climate change now because, you know, in some places where it used to be warm, now it gets a lot colder. And in some places where it used to be cold, now it stays warm. So it's right, just well, it's yeah, the I don't changing think that's a bad of the thing. So for a second, let's just talk about this for a second. I, I think that people, this is where polling, right? Like political polling doesn't do its job because people look at polling and say, all right, does climate change matter to the average American? Or is climate change something you're worried about, right? Like if you get asked that question, even I, who doesn't really care about climate change would be like, yeah, it's something I'm worried about. Or I might check, yes, like climate change concerns me or whatever. But here's where polling doesn't do the justice or doesn't do its job correctly. If they asked me to list on my priority list, where does climate change rank? It would be like 108th, if that makes sense. Like there are 107 things more important that the United States needs to figure out other than climate change, especially considering that it's really for the large part out of our control. I mean... My my one thing is that, like, is this really, like, is he taking all, it, to me it just sounds like he's got to sign a bunch of papers and say we're back into this accord. I don't feel like he's, it, or is this something that has to, like, get approved in the Senate? Like, I, I literally am just well, hearing about so this now. I don't pay attention us, to any of this shit. Right, right, right. So he can re, which he did on his first day in office, one of those, remember how he signed, like, broke the record for executive orders or whatever? I vaguely remember seeing something okay. about this. So one of the things he month. did, yeah, one of the things he did was bring us right back into this accord and join us back with the UN, Europe, a dying continent, not the point. Um, <laughs> he, he brought us back into this, but what it does is it almost commits the United States to the global standard of how we're going to change our policy at home. And so like, if you look at, what the Democrats are trying to do and what the left is trying to do. They're trying to just rewrite policy in the United States now to, all right, we're going to shut down pipelines. We're going to change where we get our, you know, fossil fuels from, and we're going to reduce our emissions. It's going to re reshuffle our entire economy. So while there's nothing like actually in the works right now in the United States, you can't really sign something to the global stage and then not do it because you're essentially making a promise. That's why as soon as Trump got in, he was like, no, why isn't China doing this? And then shut it down. I mean, yeah, I think that – so my issue with the way Trump did it is why – instead of saying why isn't China doing this and then pulling out of it, make China also do it, right? Like they there's no – They'll never do it. You can't bring China to the table. 
fine but like i just don't i don't see how the U, the u.s pulling out of it makes china going like i don't to, to me do you think the united I, states should be in should should hinder its economy to the point where china will surpass us in order to whatever suffice europe and who gives a shit with the french it doesn't well here's the thing it doesn't mean anything to me when you say like because i don't understand the like if you're saying that like the current impact is the fact that gas is like 350 a gallon yeah i think that's fucking ridiculous and that's something that needs to be changed because what you're doing by putting gas up to 350 a gallon is you're all of a sudden there's all these people who can't afford to go to work because they can't put gas in their car because it's too expensive right like if this if that is something that is being caused by this then they need to either not be doing it or they need to adjust it so that that doesn't happen right no, no but like on the surface i feel like reducing emissions which is good for the environment which you know keeps water levels from rising right because they they you know and, and uh, all of the, a lot of this is like you know the, it's like 98 percent of scientists say that climate change is real but then i feel like there's a lot of different opinions on what it means it's like there are a lot of people who say like in 30 years manhattan is just going to be completely underwater right so like if that's something that's affected by climate change, then that then, yeah, I think that that's something because like I don't want Manhattan to be underwater. Like, I think that'd be, you know, that suck. There's so many millions of people that live there. It cause a huge issue. Um, it's like that's something that I would not want to happen. But I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert on the climate. So I'm going to leave all of that shit to the experts. And I'm going to hope that the president is taking advice from experts. Well, he probably is, but he's also there's a lot of money at play in the whole thing. Um, one of the things that I always think about with it is could we just why, why don't we just leave all the domestic change that we need to do to the private entities, to the private corporations, like at a whole. Right. So, like, Seth, is it a good idea to maybe invest in electric cars? I would say yes. That's a loaded question because there's a lot the of issues with electric yes. cars. No, I mean, the answer, the brief answer would be yes. There's less emissions with electric cars, right? Well, but that's not also, that's also not necessarily true. There's, there's less emissions when driving the car. Right, right. But the, the problem is, is that when you're, char- right. I agree. No, 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 no. I agree. I'm just saying there are ways that the United States economy and that business will take care of itself, right? So like if we, I mean, I mean, Tesla's already the largest car manufacturer in the world. It is now worth more money than General Motors or any other automobile industry in the world. All I'm saying is that private entities will adapt and innovate and then convince the American public and convince people, this is why my product is better than yours, and people will buy into it. I just don't think that the government needs to use its hand to kind of push companies and push the American people and tell us this is how we have to do it. I think we should just do it on our own. I'm actually totally in favor with all the stuff that, you know, is kind of brought up with that. Like, I agree, like less emissions is better, yada, yada, yada. But like at the end of the day, I, I still don't think that the government should be telling people what to do when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair, right? Like I, I kind of agree with the idea that like the government shouldn't be telling people what to do, but also at the same time, I feel like, you know, there are certain things that the government has a right to influence, right? Like if the government wants to influence 
you know, science and influence the emissions that are put out. I think that's fine. I just like, I don't think that they should have to like, I don't think that you should be telling, um, you know, like businesses how to run their business. But if they're saying, look at your factories, if you could cut the amount of greenhouse gases that you're emitting, that'd be great. And the business can do that without, you know, totally killing their profit margins then, you know, I don't see that. I don't think that's a huge issue. I just think there's more to worry about domestically at home. That's all. I don't think that's where the president needs to be right now. Again, he doesn't do anything anyways, but. I mean, I wouldn't know that he doesn't do anything because I don't pay attention to what he does. He does plenty. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to talk some of my favorite person on the globe. Well, formerly Bruce Springsteen. We'll be right back. All right, so over the past like year and change, Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama have become apparently our now best friends. I don't know if you guys have paid attention to this friendship at all. But yeah, they have a yeah. podcast together. Yeah, Renegades, born in the USA. I mean, nothing, never mind. <laughs> I was saying nothing screams like Renegades more than like two guys sitting there worth $2 billion combined. Like it just, I don't know. I, 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 it screams hypocrisy. I would like to start by saying Bruce Springsteen's my favorite person ever. Like, I love Bruce. Means more to me than like, literally than anything in the world, I, other than family. Like, he's changed my life. His music. What? What do you want? And us. Yeah, and you guys. Sure. Whatever. But anybody that knows me knows like I've had my Bruce Springsteen screensaver for five years now like there's a lot that he has done for a lot of people and his whole shtick was like working class blue collar yada 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 and that was his shtick now all of a sudden he's like johnny elitist like hanging out and hobnobbing with like all the people he used to criticize and it's freaking weird and i don't know what happened or what changed i think it's just a product of the times and him not wanting to get buried or lost, because I think he would have got lost other otherwise. Like, I don't think our generation would even know who he was if he wasn't friends with Obama. Like, it just, I don't know. So, did you guys see the quote from this weekend that I was telling you about? Did you guys listen to that? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to play it right now um, for the audience, and then we'll discuss it. So, Springsteen was on a podcast discussing, or I guess this is... Obama discussing Bruce's relationship to his saxophonist and the fan base that Bruce Springsteen had in their relationship to Clarence Clemens, his saxophonist, who was Bruce's right-hand guy and played with him in shows for 40 years. And everybody that's an E Street fan knows who Clarence is and loves him. So this is what Obama had to say about the big man. In my music, you know. In an ideal world, what Bruce and Clarence portrayed on stage was essentially a reconciliation, right? That's right. But most of your audiences were primarily white. And they can love Clarence when he's on stage, but if they ran into him in a bar, suddenly the N-word comes up. Yeah. And part of Bruce's music and part of my politics has been, no, no, you got to surface that stuff. You got to talk about it. Sunlight is the disinfectant. And if you talk about it, then you can reconcile in a true way, not in, not, right. in a, not in a phony way. 
I, I've never been more upset with anybody in my entire life than Bruce Springsteen in that quote. I hate it. Look, I don't know. What are your immediate reactions? Go ahead. It, I'm just confused about the context of the situation. Like, what what is Obama using as his basis of like? Like, like, what's his, what's his evidence behind that? Like, why is There's he just none. random? There is none. And that's, that's, that's the whole point is far, yeah, you know, far it's, be it from Barack Obama to be hypocritical or it you just, know, just spew bullshit without citing any sort of reason. But it that's what it like is. a weird it's, comment. It's the assumption, it's the assumption that, you know, granted, I'm not a huge Bruce Springsteen guy, you know, not for any reason. I just don't listen to his music. Um, and so Carp is well more connected with, the E Street Band and Bruce Springsteen than I am, but you know I, I am well versed in the historical music field to be able to say that I know the audience and that Barack Obama is, is making a giant leap and a giant assumption that the fans of this music are it kind of like what people think NBA fans are or used to be is like yeah you know you cheer for them when they're on the court. You know, you you the Bill Russell thing. and you right, yeah. You applaud, you know, Clarence Clemens E Street band when he's on stage or when you listen to the music, whatever, but then like, you know, the the curtain falls, so to speak, when you're when you're out in public. And that's the issue with society is that is that, you know, these types of people are being used as props in, you know, white America. It's bullshit. That's a that's a completely bullshit thing for Barack Obama Dude. to say. I mean, I don't give a fuck what he says anyway. And like his podcast is, you know, it is what it is. But like, come on. <laughs> well, I would say follows the E Street Band or is like well connected, like I am, like enjoys it. Knows that there's no more beloved member of that band than Clarence Clemens. The band lost insane popularity after he left. And, and, and to, for Obama to say, well, Bruce's audience was predominantly white, as though that's some bad thing. So weird. I don't understand what would be wrong with that. Excuse me. First of all, the majority of the United States, whether people like to believe it or not, is white. There are more white that, people. That's the entire origin of the word minority. Correct. There are more white people in the United States than anyone else. And so for Bruce's music to be to connect majority majority with whites or whatever, whatever, there are artists out there, countless artists whose majority audience is black or Hispanic or Asian. It's just that's the way that culture and music and art works. People like it in different ways. But then to suggest that the people who funded who funded Clarence Clemens' life, Bruce Springsteen's life, are somehow racist, who paid money to go see their shows and watch them play, are somehow racist and hated him and called him the N-word. And then for the freaking boss to sit there and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I don't know what's worse. I don't know what's worse. Obama just being a race grifter, trying to create a bigger divide in the country, or Bruce Springsteen then you know, not even insinuating, just flat out admitting or or lying that his audience was racist. The same audience that has put seven hundred million dollars in his freaking pocket. And again, I've I've heard this said out there, and I'm gonna say it too. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band deserved every single penny that they made from everyone, right? I wholeheartedly believe he's the best 
We can have this conversation a different time. He's the best American-born singer-songwriter of all time. I don't particularly think it's close. You want to argue Beatles? Awesome. Not American. You want to argue Queen and Trey Mercury? <laughs> awesome. Not American. I was going to say for a second, you started bringing up Beatles. I was like, they're not American. No, they're saying, not American. That's why I'm, I, I was specifying that there really isn't much competition there. Like maybe Elvis, eh? Bob Dylan, eh? Maybe. David had nearly the global success or impact that Bruce Springsteen has had. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And then for him just to shit down the mouth of everybody who's put uh, money in his pocket. And again, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm being a hypocrite here because he's going to go back on tour in 2022. That's said to be an announcement soon, right? Guess who's going to be playing in, the, in that band? Clarence. Well, that would be hard considering he died in 2009. It would be Clarence, <laughs> it would be Clarence Clemens' nephew who has since joined the E Street Band since like 2013. He's been playing in the E Street Band. Why would he join the band if everybody <laughs> supported Bruce Springsteen was racist? I'm going to go to that concert, and I'm going to pay money, and I'm going to put in the boss's pocket, and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of the time I'm there. But how – our elitist class is so bullshit. It's such a lie, and it's so – Yeah, but, Card, this is what I'd say, too, is, like, I don't think there's any shame in doing that. It's kind of like what you guys talked about in your last episode with Chappelle, like, like – all right, there's no, you know, just because you like said that, like, you know, agree with it, there's no need to not buy tickets to his concert anymore to still not support him. It's like, I don't, I, I don't like feeding into the, the cancel culture bullshit. And like, for the longest time, my parents have, and I think you kind of said this to me, like, you know, my parents were like, oh, I'm not going to watch the MLB this year because of all the, the shit that was going on with like protests and all this and all that. And like, Carb, you said to me, you're like, okay do you have an Apple product? Do you wear Nike? Do you wear this, that? It's like, you know, yeah. you have no moral high ground to take. So like, that's just feeding into like this cancel culture bullshit. So I think there's no shame in you being like, I think, I don't think it's hypocritical. So what? Like you disagree with something that you said, he's still like your favorite artist of all time. You've made that well known to me. Go to the fucking concert. Like no shame I, in that. I just think there's something different between, right? Like Bruce and I see, totally different on politics all of a sudden he became johnny political in like 2008 he started playing hillary hillary rallies then he started playing at obama rallies then he started playing at biden rallies like he just became johnny political and he goes on these late night shows and hobnobs with the elitist and like whatever and i'm totally totally okay with it right like i know where to put politics aside from talent and bruce's music speaks to me and i love it and yada 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 but at the end of the day, there's a huge difference between saying something political and then flat out lying about the people who support you. There's a difference. Because if they support you and you're calling them racist and they support you, then what the fuck does it say about you? True. Like if I, if I turned around and said anybody that listens to this show is racist and screw you if you're racist and you listen to the show, but everybody that listens to this is racist. Well, then what does that say about me? You know what I mean? Like it, it's a total reflection on myself. And in that situation, I'd say, Bruce, first of all, I don't think Bruce believes it. I think he's just saying yes. Anybody that knows Springsteen knows that he's an introvert at heart, right? Like his music, his passion, his whatever on stage presence is not who he is in real life. He is said to be an extremely quiet guy. He has struggled with self-depression his sexuality, a lot of things, 
right? Like he is somebody that has a lot of things going on and has always, always been very, very humble and very, very quiet and reserved. And so now he's sitting on a podcast with the president of the United States, former, but arguably the most popular president of all time. And he's sitting there and the president makes a comment about his fans. And I think that was Bruce. I don't know if that Bruce believing what the president said or just Bruce, you know, kind of receding back to that quiet, you know, scared almost guy and just going, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it was just a PR move. If you ask me. How is that good for his fan base, though, Seth? So I think that, like, I think for him in his brain, he was like, if I disagree with Barack Obama, I am going to get absolutely murdered by the media. Right. Like, I feel like that's what he was thinking of in that moment. I think he just kind of like kept on saying, yeah. And honestly, you know how you're in a conversation with someone and you kind of check out and you like aren't really listening to what they're saying. And so you just keep on saying, yeah, over and over and over again. I almost feel like that's what happened. Like he just, <laughs> it was funny. I feel like he just kept on saying, yeah. And then he was just like, you know, this is just what happened, you know? And like, right. I don't. So do you think, I'd Bruce, be, you don't think Bruce believes it then? I'd be surprised if he believed it, to be honest. I just think it'd be, a, I think it, I agree with you. I think it'd be a really weird move for him to be like, yeah, my audience is super fucking racist. Cause people like to listen to music that they can relate to. Now, granted, like I listen to a lot of music that I can't relate to, but the music that I enjoy the most is the stuff where I like listen to it and I can think of situations in my life where I'm like, oh, I've had that exact same thing. Right. So why, you know, if. If his audience is racist and they connect to his music. It's like you're saying, then wouldn't that just make him racist? And I don't think that he would call himself a racist because I don't think that anybody calls themselves racist. If you call yourself racist, it's a whole different level of like weird bullshit, because if you have the mental fortitude to call yourself racist, that means that you understand that what you're saying or doing is wrong and you continue to do it. No, I don't want to get too deep. I mean, we get deep often, but uh, (laughs) do you think that the word racist the insult racist gets thrown around too much today and it's lost. I, I think that there is a lot of things that people call racist that they really should just be calling, you know, insensitive. Like why can't Obama just say, look, Bruce, when you, first of all, I think that Obama should have phrased it as, first of all, this is the E street band founded in like 1969, not 2002. This is a band that's been together playing from 1969 till literally 2022. They are still going to be playing, right? So this band has seen so many things politically, right? Like it just has. Why can't Obama say that, you know, Bruce, when you guys first started in, or in how he talks, or, you know, Bruce, when you guys first started in that stupid voice. <laughs> this, this is a dangerous, dangerous path that we're on right now. Whatever. But why can't he just, why can't he just flat out say, you know, when you guys first started out in the late sixties or early seventies, America was still used to seeing a black, you know, front man in a band, you know, along your side like that. 
You know, so at the beginning, there had to have been some pushback from that. And there absolutely was. Like, I don't think, I think Bruce would have been like, yeah, you know what? You're right, Barack. When we first started out, there was some pushback. But what Bruce and Clarence's relationship symbolized actually was America evolving, getting better, changing, accepting. I think that's what it represents, not the bullshit like hatred the entire time, because I don't see that. It was the opposite. It was accepting. Uh, to answer your deep question, I would agree. Well, I guess I guess no one took a stance, but I think I already know what your stance is. Um, I just I just think that like Seth kind of said it that like a lot of people throw around the term racist to describe insensitive things and like and I'd even say that there's there used to be a, a, a clear line and now there's not between like you know racist and like nationalist or you you know what I'm saying like I think a lot of a lot of people are just leaning back on on that term when it, it really doesn't apply. And I also think too that very far and few can you find the term racist being used to describe something that's derogatory towards anybody who's white. Right. Yeah. That's the when you look at the term racist, it is saying or doing anything that is demeaning towards another race or creed or towards you know, someone based on that. You know, to, right. right, exactly. It's based solely on that. You can be racist towards anybody. And people are like, no, and you have some of these people who say that uh, it's impossible to be racist against a white person. I'm like, all right, so if I say that white people are inferior to black people, that that's not a racist statement. How is that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's by right. definition a racist statement. Yeah, the, it, it's really evolved into um, just such a one-sided term. And, like, I mean, Seth, you said earlier, like, term minority versus majority. Like, there are other minority groups, too, plenty in the United States who also don't even fall under the umbrella of, like, you know, that term racist anymore. And it's, like, sad that, like, they're underrepresented people who, like, it's, like, you know, they're not even they're being so overlooked because of all of this left wing bullshit right. that we have to deal with. All right. So so to bring it back briefly to Bruce and then wrap up the segment, we'll take it to headlines. But let me ask you guys one more question just so we can wrap up from where we started. OK, if you're in my shoes or you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, which there are millions out there. How do you take these comments? Where do you go from here? I mean, they're not really comments. The man just said, yeah, a bunch of times, you know, I'd be a little bit irked that he didn't defend my honor as That's a Bruce Springsteen at. fan. Right. Um, but does that mean that I'm just going to like, you know, like, you know, people who are a little bit older than us, their parents, right, grew up with this music. You're telling me that if I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan since, you know, the time or like, you know, in Carp's case where it's been his entire life. Or if you're an adult that was, you know, remembers when it started and we're talking, it's been 50 years. Like you're not just going to throw away 50 years or a lifetime of fanship of a band. You're right. still going to enjoy the band. You might think about it every once in a while. Like, yeah, I kind of wish that man would have like defended us a little bit better. Like we're not all racist. You know, like there's definitely no, th there's definitely a couple of people in there that are. But you can say that about literally any musician's fan base. Right. right. Or any anybody's fan base in sports or anything. It doesn't matter. It's they're out there, but it's not the prevailing ghost, I guess you would say. 
Brandon, what would you do? Um, I really don't know because there's been times over the past few years where, you know, I've had some, you know, artists that I listen to, bands that I listen to, athletes that I used to be fans of, celebrities, whatever it may be, come out and, you know, kind of slander the character of people who voted for Trump, supported Trump, supported, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it was. And like that definitely left a sour taste in my mouth. And like, I'd be lying if I said I didn't kind of cut back on like my followership of them in a way not to kind of be like get back at them because again like like i said earlier i don't like feeding into like whatever i feel like you should be able to say whatever but like you said carp when you cross that line into like yeah you can have an opinion on this or that and like that's the beauty about this country is everybody can have an opinion but when you cross the line into like you know personally attacking people who believe in something and kind of you know diminishing their opinion and and invalidating it then like me personally i feel like well what the fuck like i'm listening to you and like you don't even you don't even respect me as like you know a follower or an audience good point whatever exactly so it's not me sitting here and being like oh fuck that i'm not gonna listen to them anymore it's like you know if the song comes on like if i was in your shoes and this would just be me if a song came on by Bruce Springsteen on shuffle if i was in the car i I would be the first thing they could be backstreets tell me it's backstreets Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> that that'd be the first thing I'd think about. I'd be like, like, does guy even want me listening to his music, or am I just like a, a piece of trash to to him? And obviously, Seth made a good point that like, you know, this was also probably, or you know, we're kind of speculating that this could be a little bit of you know conformity, and that he's just kind of going along with the whole thing, whatever it may be, whatever. But yeah, I de- I definitely would affect me, and I, I uh, you know pretty significant way all right that's a good segment can't believe we talked about the boss on the show god that makes me happy all right well even though it was sad but still all right we'll be right back we're gonna do some headlines and we're gonna get you out of here so you can enjoy your friday and so i can get to florida we'll be right back It's headlines. All right, everybody. You know what time it is. It's your favorite segment. It's our favorite segment. It's headlines, baby. Here we go. Brendan, you're the special guest. Special guest always leads it off. Give us your headline. Brendan, Brendan, wow. don't make that don't make that face. That's how Seth has started headlines for Every 44 time. episodes. No, I now. know. It's, we we, uh, yeah. we just, literally have something. the recorded clip of me going, it's headlines, and it's all like yeah. uh, pixelated no, and whatever because the audio clipped no, out. No, I just I had a flashback to um Kwame Brown there, Seth. So Kwame Brown. Yeah, you don't need you don't need to do it again. It's fine. Um, Seth, you do that yeah, one more so time. That's why I made that face. <laughs> it's a Stephen A. Smith line. Like it wasn't me. Like anyone who knows knows this. <laughs> if you if you listen to the podcast trivia, uh, then you know that that's a Seth Helman line and no one else. Uh, okay, my headline is. Um, it's like a string of headlines that have been coming out in the past few weeks. You guys touched on the Gruden thing, but it's kind of taken a turn for the worse in the past 48 hours. Um, Chicago Blackhawks sexual misconduct scandal. Uh, Kyle Beach, former Blackhawks player, came out today and um, basically took ownership for the for the sexual assault claims and said, you know, I was the one who was sexually assaulted by members of the coaching staff in the front office and whatever it may be. And there were members of the Blackhawks who kept quiet about it. 
big he said she said now because everybody's been asked about it. I mean, they're asking Bergeron, which is like, I get it. He's the captain of the team, but like in Boston, but like, you know, that, that doesn't seem thousand percent related to Patrice Bergeron at all, but you've got players like him coming out and, you know, trying to shed some positive light on the league, doing the job that they're, that they're kind of asked to do is like speak positively about the league. They ask Blackhawks captain and assistant captain, Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, two tenured players in Chicago. They defended the organization uh, and said that there are many great people in the front office in Chicago and that they, you know, obviously they they support their former teammate, but at the same time, they don't want to slander the organization that they're playing for. Uh, Kyle Beach came out, did a big interview um, on TSN and then followed up his interview with a statement today that basically said the Blackhawks continue to try and throw this out of court. Uh, they're lying. They're, they're forcing their players to lie. And they're intimidating their players into not telling the truth and that there's more to this story. Right. And then an hour ago, the uh, the icing on the cake, Joel Quenville, um, head coach in Florida, was the head coach in Chicago, was fired by the Florida Panthers uh, a couple hours after Kyle Beach's statement came out. So I, I think that this this whole uncovering of shady things happening behind the scenes in professional sports is taking a turn for the worse. You've got Washington football team stuff that I think is right on the brink of, of kind of exploding. The Raiders email scandal reached a boiling point. Gruden's gone. And now you've got this in the NHL. And I think that it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg, which is sad, but, uh, but I think that's the truth. So love to get your guys yeah, thoughts I, on that. Cause well, it's unprecedented really. Yeah. I think that there's something to say, you know, I'm going to take this a different route real quick. Boston Red Sox, your home team, okay, has had some sexual misconduct within its own organization and within the Boston Globe. However, why you do not hear about it is because the Red Sox own the Boston Globe, right? Mm -hmm. and you hear about it different places, right? So I'm wondering how long teams like the Red Sox, places that own the media outlets, can continue to bury it before it comes up in services. So that's what I'm looking for now because I would love to see the people that report on other people with their you know, mistreatment of people. I'd like to see that come back around and get them on their own ass, personally. Seth, what do you think? I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of just like it, – it's a weird situation. The thing about it that made me really uncomfortable was the Jonathan Taves statement – I, you know, I didn't hear the entire thing, but I did see the quote of it where it was like, look, there's a lot of good people in this organization. And to me, I'm just like, I get that Beach only, I think he only played like 10 games before this happened. Well, I, yeah, I thought so too. But then I saw a picture of him with the A on his jersey. Right. So uh, he, he, I think what happened was that he played his first 10 games in the NHL. This happened and then like continued to play after that. Right. Uh, like, okay, okay. Yeah. um, Right. And, I, and so before this, to be honest with you, like if I'm Jonathan Taves, bro, like I am standing up for my teammate no matter what. Like there is zero situation in which I'm showing up to a press conference and saying there's a lot of good people in this organization. Fuck that. You go yeah, up there Jeff, and ask you, you this, though. Let's say this happened to the Bruins, right? And like former Bruins player, whoever doesn't play for the team anymore, did this and they asked Bergeron. And Bergeron comes out and is like, fuck the Bruins. The captain of the team comes out and says, fuck the Bruins with this guy. I don't know how I'd feel because I as, a, I, as a Bruins fan, would like to think that there are good people in the organization. 
and that there are good people in the front office and that there's a way to remediate this. And I, I don't want to, I don't, what Tay said, I don't but think, I think you come out he's in a tough position as the captain. I don't think you come out and say all of the people in the organization are awful. I think you just say, look, we stand with our teammate. We think what happened is awful. And we trust that the organization is going to do everything that they can to rectify this. And that's it. Right. Cause that, that, then yeah. you're not saying, you know, you're not being overly critical of the people who did it, which I don't think there it's possible to be overly critical in this situation, but you're also not pumping up the organization and saying that there's these great people. Right. Because if, you know, like there right. are in obviously in great people. world, I think that in an ideal world, I think that that happens. But you got to remember, he's still a rostered member of this team. He's still got to suit up and play for this team like tonight. Um, right. And he's still wearing the C on his jersey. He is in a pretty compromised position to come out and, and just slander this organization who has given him everything. He's been with the same team for over 13 seasons now, I want to say at least 13 seasons. He's been there for like three Stanley Cups, a bunch of playoff runs. So, you know, tough position for him to be in. I know Carp wants to wrap it up, but my quick question for the two of you. Yeah, please. Be, um, the Quenville thing is interesting to me. Do you think that the Panthers are firing him because they believe that he was involved in some way or just because they think he played a part in covering it up? Uh, they may know something that we don't yet if that makes sense and are getting ahead of it or dude it could be as simple as we don't want to deal with the bullshit and we don't think he's that great of a coach let's just part ways it's a good excuse i mean yeah but i mean he there's yes i'd agree with that but i'm just saying that could be right no 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 no. i i understand i'm just saying that could be a quick excuse or a quick way to dump it definitely took me by surprise when I saw that because it's like if he was still with the Blackhawks, then I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But like totally different organization. Like I I would lean more on the side of they might know more than we all know if they're that quick to fire their coach. So, who they just hired a couple seasons ago and he brought them to the playoffs and they're strong yeah, stars yeah. this year. Very odd. All right. So we'll we'll follow this story. We'll probably talk about it again at some point. There's a lot there. Um, as far as headlines, Seth, do you have one or you want me to go or, uh, yeah, I do have a headline. So PETA sent a memo or made a press release. Not really sure how this got into the news cycle today, but PETA has requested that major league baseball stop calling the bullpen, the bullpen, and that they instead call it the arm barn because they believe that bullpen is too insensitive to the inhumane treating of animals. And somehow arm barn, which suggests that you're literally making human beings sleep in a barn like animals is not also insensitive. This is the most bullshit thing I've heard in my life. This is just another example of why we've taken these political correct craziness things way too far. It's a bullpen. All right. Calling it, Like we already had to change the disabled disabled list list. because apparently that wasn't PC enough when it wasn't, you know, insensitive disabled people. The people on the disabled list were disabled, albeit temporarily, (laughs) but they were disabled. That's the entire point of the list. All right. (laughs) Well, I don't make a big deal of this. Like I. So here's I think it's stupid. No, no. So here's the question, right? So the question is the left will ask 
us or people on the right, the left will ask us, well, why does it matter? If it doesn't matter to you, then just change it. Like if you don't care about it being called the arm bar, then just change it. The, the, the reason that the right should just push back or just normal sane people should push back is because it's really a culture war, right? And they're trying to change little things in the culture to make everything, right? If you look at like a book like 1984 or whatever, it starts with the war on words. It's about changing words and, and making sure that things get said in certain manners. Because once you can control language, you can control thought. And I know that's getting really abstract over a baseball bullpen. But all I'm saying is once we lose the little things like bullpen and that becomes incentive and we have to change that, then what happens when we change bigger things that actually matter? So for that reason, I think that people, normal, non-insane people should just be like, no, you can't, you can't change bullpen. We're not letting you win this one. Um, yeah, I, I think Peter's a joke. Uh, I remember hearing about Peter for the first time. When I don't know if you guys remember this, they got into a little bit of a spat with um, a, a lobster seafood company in Maryland. Um, and it was like the first that I've ever heard of it. it made like national headlines. They wanted to like shut this place down. And this place like was the had the biggest fuck you attitude of all time and like would post pictures of dead crabs like like every day and tag PETA. That's the only <laughs> I remember Peter from, was they would just like this account would just harass them all the time and they started yeah. to hashtag like steam them all and so <laughs> I just that's, that's what I remember Peter from so I think this is so dumb um I don't think it has any legs and yeah it's it's a bullpen in baseball like that's what it is and it's not changing all right so lastly I want to get to my headline I want to talk about Bill Belichick's balls. I don't know if you guys heard this, but Bill Belichick, <laughs> it's okay to laugh, Seth. You can I, li- I, like, I like the way that you kind of <laughs> put yourself into well, that one. I thought that was a funny way to open that. <laughs> I sounded like Jeb Bush when he goes, please clap. I was like, yeah, please laugh, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Bill Belichick apparently has been giving out these things known as green balls to his assistants. And I only find this story interesting. Like, I don't know if this is like really – that interesting like oh like my assistants are working hard so i'm giving them cash i'm like yeah it's a lot of cash it sounds whatever no belichick's loaded doesn't matter to him the reason i find it interesting is because all we've heard about bill belichick since he has left is that he doesn't appreciate his players he doesn't appreciate his staff and brady never felt appreciated blah blah, blah. i think that this could possibly be a leak from the belichick camp to say no no no, no, no. look he does appreciate people he is a nice guy all this bullshit. No, like I actually think that. I no, I, yeah, I think that's that, actually. Well, so the thing, the thing I for me about leak, this whole I, thing. I, wait one sec. Sorry. The reason, Seth, you go next. But the reason that I think of it that way is because I look at everything as a conspiracy theory. Like Seth knows this already. Like, so I read this thing and I'm like, well, where's the hook? And I think that this one actually is a hook. Like I think Belichick puts this out or his camp puts this out. Go ahead, Seth. Well, so my thing with this also, the the thing that you didn't mention is that some of these little green balls of cash were personal checks going upwards of six figures, which is just insane that he's throwing that money around. But it specifically said, at least what I read specifically said, that it had to do with underpaid people working for the organization, right? Yes. Dude, he's in charge of paying the coaches. Like, that's literally his job is to say he's the general manager and the president of football operations. 
Like, that's literally his job. So if they're being underpaid, it's his own fucking fault. Yep. Yep. Brennan, what do you think? You got anything here? I'm sorry. I would just like to point out that Seth was, um, during that whole, like, speech, his roommate was, like, on the phone. And, and, like, the roommate got progressively louder, and then Seth got progressively louder to combat it. And I don't know why. It was <laughs> hilarious. That was awesome. I'm savvy. But, um, I'm savvy like that. Yeah, yeah, good job. You really drowned the noise out. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I... Uh, Oh, apparently Emma's roommates are upset that I'm doing a podcast right now. Um, well, that's all right. Text- We're ending in 30 seconds. They just go texted ahead. the roommate group chat, and they're making fun of me for being too loud. <laughs> they're trying to go to bed. It's like 10, whatever. Okay, sorry. I'm being I'm being censored. Um, yeah, Classic cancel. Yeah, I don't have much to say about the whole Belichick thing, but um, I would just like to say, hot take, and we can talk about this another time on the review yes. on this show. I think it's time for a coaching change in New England. All right, so <laughs> here we go. I think you're smoking fucking crack, right, is what I think. Please stop. Please I'm, stop. I'm sorry. Please yeah, stop. our record is so good this year. Please stop. Please stop. All right. Let's wrap this show up. Brendan, I would love to have you back on for two things. One, I would like to talk about the Belichick coaching thing on this show. We will do it on this show with you coming back because I also want you to next time that there's a development or an update in that situation in Florida, in Chicago, I want you to come on and give us that as like a headline or whatever and fill us in on that, please. Um, Thanks for coming on and we appreciate it and we will see you later. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'll be back. All right. So Seth and I will be back with another segment of the trivia that we do right at the end of the show. And that will take place right now. All right, Seth. So we had to wait till Will it left, obviously, to do trivia because it's kind of like our thing, like where we get prepared to go kick you know, Michael's ass on trivia and whatever. And I don't really want Brendan to hear the questions that we come up with just in case they come up on TBR trivia. The whole point is for us to be prepared. So Brendan, if you go to listen to this podcast after, please stop listening now. So then Seth and I can discuss trivia questions. All right, Seth, I have one for you. Would you like me to go first? Yeah, go for it. All right. I am going to give you a year. And you are going to tell me which player in the MLB won the Triple Crown that season. Ooh, okay. I like this. 1909. Okay. So when I think Triple Crown, not that I know that he won it, I always think um, like Ted Williams. Like Ted Williams is just like greatest hitter in – MLB history like that's just always the first guy that I think of but Ted Williams took a break because of fighting the world war so I know that he's not 1909 I know that's well before his Ted time. Williams fought in world war ii which would be in the I believe the 30s I mean the 40s so yes yes this is well before his time <laughs> this is 1909. 1909 well so here's the thing right the curse of the bambino is around that time if I'm not mistaken and so it I'm is. thinking of players from back then and really Babe Ruth is the only guy that I can think of. So, and so I'm, let me hold on. Let me give you a hint before you say Babe Ruth. The lead for home runs that won this triple crown was nine. 
The lead was nine. Yes, he won the triple crown with nine home runs, this player. So it was interesting. This is right before the home run explosion of Babe Ruth. This is when Babe Ruth used to hit more home runs than total teams combined. This player hit nine and led the league. Hit nine? Widely considered perhaps the greatest hitter of all time. And he used a split grip while up at bat like this. Oh, okay. This can be bad. It, it, like there are a couple of names that I'm thinking of, but like, it, like the oldest guys I can think of, like I, I think of like a Hank Greenberg is old, but I want to say that he was around Ted Williams' time as well, maybe a little bit before him. Um, God, split. The split grip is an interesting one. I want to. I'm going to give you one or two more. So if you don't have it, throw a guess out. Uh, all right. Um, old man. I got to think of an old man. Just like who are the – like Satchel Page is the oldest guy I can think of. But I know that he wasn't playing back then. Seth, um, you are going to be pissed when I tell you who it is. I'm sure I am. It's like, like he's on the baseball Mount Rushmore probably. <laughs> it's really bad. I can't think of this. Ty Cobb. Really? Yeah, fuck. 1909. Right. I'm aware of Ty Cobb. Last Triple Crown was won in 2012 by this player. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, correct? Very good, Seth. And who won the Triple Crown the year before that? 2011. As a pitcher. As a pitcher? See, that's a fascinating question. Won the Triple Crown as a pitcher. That means wins, ERA. Oh, 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 oh. Tim Lincecum. Wrong. I feel like it's just like a teammate, Justin Verlander, when they went back-to-back in the MVP voting. And then the last, last one I will ask you, Seth, is... Ted Williams has two triple crowns. What was his highest batting average when he won the triple crown? Oh, I like this. I'm going to, I, I feel like it's going to be a really low batting average. Cause I mean, like, you know, you, you think of him as just being this unbelievable hit, like a career average 400. Like that's just like the guy, right? I'm going to say it was like 330. 356 was his highest. It's the guy that hit 400 one year and didn't win the MVP the year he hit 400 and didn't win the MVP one of the years he won the Triple Crown, which if you think about that is unbelievable. That was because at that time, all the writers from the Baseball Writers Association were New York Yankee fans. That is a true statement. That is not a lie. You can look it up. The majority of writers wrote in New York City. Seth, do you have a trivia question for me? Yeah, so I don't have a multi-parter, but it's certainly an interesting one. So we're going Bruins trivia here. So Ray Bork leads the Bruins in 14 different categories all time. Okay. Uh, The next closest skater to Ray Bork leads the team in six different categories. Name the skater. For number two. For number two. Rick Middleton. No, sir. 
Rick Middleton, yeah. I don't think leads any categories anymore. And now that Marchand has overtaken him for shorthanded and game winning goals. Esposito. Esposito is third with four. Bergeron. Nope. Bergeron doesn't lead any categories. Nope. Son of a bitch. You know him Chara. too. Chara. No, not even close. Pre your lifetime, but you've witnessed him in a certain capacity in your lifetime. Uh, you're muted, and I could read your lips, and it said Bob Sweeney, or I can't hear you, but I could see that you said Bob Sweeney. <laughs> but the answer is no. Shit. <laughs> I said Bob Sweeney. Can you hear me? <laughs> now I can hear you, yeah, but I did see that you said Bob I Sweeney. Did, I did yell Bob Sweeney. <laughs> I know him. For a certain capacity, I know him. What do you mean, know him? You're, you're like aware of him in a Bruins. He he fulfilled a certain role in a Bruins capacity in recent years. Samsonov. No. Tim Thomas. Nope. Skater. God damn it, skater. Uh. All right, you got to help me out a little bit. Defenseman or forward? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a forward, just based off his numbers. I'd be surprised if he was a defenseman, but I'm going to Google it right now. What years are we talking? We're talking, like, Bobby Orr year. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, O'Reilly. Uh, no, sir. On, on the right track. He is a forward, by the way. Give me a category he leads in. Uh, I do need to pull up the stats again. Give me one second. Um, he is second in a lot of stats as well. I should point out, um, you know, he's top, he's top 10 in pretty much everything. Um, let's see. The very first thing that comes up that he leads in is goals. I thought Esposito led in goals or Middleton. <laughs> Honestly, Esposito's a good guess for goals. Like I would you know, like, No. Are you shitting me? <laughs> no. Kid, it 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 definitely is Esposito. Phil Esposito is second all time in Bruins history with 459 goals. This left winger leads the team with 545 goals. The closest Johnny active Houston. player. Yes, sir. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the chief. So for those of you who don't know, Johnny Busick used to, or I, I don't know if he still does, but at least in recent years, um, coordinated the travel and the tickets for the team. So anytime a guy needed tickets for family, they'd go through Johnny. Uh, he'd make sure that everything was set up for all the players. If they ever needed anything, it was go to Johnny. Um, he's, essentially, his official. he's essentially the Bruins version of like a Johnny Pesky, you know, just a lifetime guy, always part yeah. of the organization, played for them forever, and then stuck with it, you know, pretty much his whole life. So Shit. the six categories that he leads yep, in are, are goals, even strength goals, game-winning goals, it's all goals. Uh, Robbie, you should have known scoring. Adjusted goals, 
adjusted points and adjusted goals created. Um, Those are bullshit categories. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm aware that they're bullshit categories. Give me games. Um, give me fights. Give me penalty minutes. Give me hits. Yeah. So me Ray Bork leads the team in games played, assists, points, goals created. I don't know what the fuck this. that means. Let me ask you this before we leave for the show. You think Ray Bork is better off than he was in Boston and considered, oh, my God, he's the second best defenseman in Bruins history, maybe in NHL history? Or you think if he had spent all of his career elsewhere, he'd be held in a higher standard in hockey history? Well, so here's my thing with Ray Bork and Bobby Orr when you do the comparison. From a year average, nobody's going to touch Bobby Orr, right? Just year by year, like game by game average. There's no way you're going to touch him. Well, because Bobby Orr changed the game. That's the difference. I mean, he was innovative. But the thing that you got to – like. To me, the, the thing with Bobby Orr is it's what could have been, right? We know what we got with Ray Bork. So to me, Bobby Orr has this crazy status as this huge figure, right? But it's kind of like, you know, Barry, uh, Barry Bonds leads the MLB all time in home runs, right? But the steroids for a lot of people ruin it. So a lot of people don't consider him to be the greatest home run hitter of all time, right? So, you know, with Bobby Orr, because of the injuries to his knee, you know, and how much time he missed and the fact that he got forced out of the game early, I think for a lot of people, it's, you know, and for me, it's a little bit like I give Ray Bork a little bit more credit in that sense. I think that Bobby Orr is one of the greatest Bruins of all time. He's likely the greatest talent the game has seen other than Wayne Gretzky, right? But just because of the injuries and the fact that he wasn't allowed to do it over an extended period of time, I think that kind of hurts his legacy a little bit. And so for Ray Bork, I think that I don't think I don't think that he would be different if he was on another team. All right, I said I agree with you. Um, all right, that's another edition of the TBR Morning Show. Thank you for listening. As always, please share the show with friends. Um, if you like what you're listening to, please put it on your story. Please, you know, send the link, whatever you got to do to get more people listening. We appreciate it. Reach out to TBR on Instagram at TBR sports, Instagram, TBR sports, watch us on TikTok, and listen to us on Spotify. Thanks for listening. Seth, take us out. Bye.